The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Amen. Take your Bible and go back, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 10 and on so. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able uh, to withstand in the evil day, having done all uh, to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You'll see here that uh, by way of the Holy Spirit, the word stand is mentioned three times. I want to speak tonight on that simple word, stand. Uh, stand is mentioned 274 times in her Bible. 220 of those times is in the Old Testament. 54 of those times are found in the New Testament. Some of the places it's mentioned, I'll read here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and uh, uh, it says, wherewith ye stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, watch ye stand fast in the faith, uh, quit you like men be strong. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty uh, wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24, the Bible says, Not for that uh, we have, uh, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but uh, it says, are helpers of your joy. It says, for by faith ye stand. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, therefore my beloved dearly, therefore my, uh, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for, it says my joy and crown to stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. The last one I'll read is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15 the Bible says therefore brethren stand fast it says and hold the traditions which have uh, ye have been taught whether by word or by our epistle and of course that word epistle means lifestyle and so the Bible is talking here over and over again about standing if God mentions something once you ought to sit up and pay attention if God mentions it twice you ought to sit up twice as much and pay attention but if God 
God takes that which is one word and emphasizing that one word uh, 274 times in the Bible, perhaps we ought to think about it and practice it with our whole life. And so I want to give you some areas I believe that we ought to stand in our present day. Statement number one, stand in your home Stand. I didn't say stay in your home. I said stand. That's the subject matter tonight in your home. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. The Bible says, for I know him. And of course, this is uh, talking about uh, that which is uh, a man that had his total household in order. Listen to what it says. The Bible says, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. The Bible says uh, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken uh, unto him or to him of him. Now, the Bible says that here's a man that decided to stand. And God said, I know him. I know what he's going to do. I know his reputation precedes him uh, to stand uh, our, our daughter Rebecca the other day we were talking about boys and I said Rebecca I said you're getting older are you praying much and she said I'm praying much she said but daddy I don't want to get a dud she said, I don't want to marry somebody one day that uh, is, uh, uh, you know, that does not stand stronger than I do because if I ever get backslidden, I want him to command me uh, to go to church and command me to obey the Lord because I'll submit to the right type of man, but I need somebody that will be strong enough to stand. Uh, girls, be careful. Uh, don't become interested in a guy that doesn't have the backbone to stand. Uh, be careful, girls, about uh, uh, liking a boy that does not stand. Stand. Uh, you know, uh, you need somebody when you marry them that's going to help to guide you the right direction. Can you imagine marrying somebody that you're more spiritual than they and uh, you're all alone now and you have to take the kids to Sunday school because he's too lazy to get out of bed. And then uh, you've got to bring them back on Sunday night because after all, he's backslidden and he don't care about God. And then uh, you have to attend church on Wednesday night all by yourself because he's a lazy scoundrel and he doesn't want to be obedient to the Lord. Now, can I tell you, it'd be far better for you to marry some of you. So, well, I can't find anybody. I'll put that little word uh, behind that that has three letters in it called yet. It would be better to wait until God sent. Don't settle for a, a D or an F. You wait till an A or a B comes along and whatever you settle for, you better make sure that it's the will of God. Uh, if you marry somebody in the will of God, you'll be a whole lot better off than marrying somebody because of their physique. Their physique will change. Their intellect may change. Their face may change. Their hair distribution may change. All right? And so you want to make sure that you marry somebody because they have good quality and good character in serving God. Because the Bible is still going to be the Bible no matter who you marry. Well, the Bible does say in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Uh, God's still going to expect you to submit yourself unto Him. And so it, it'd be better to choose the right one. It'd be better to get somebody that knows their Bible and wants to go forward. Now, you want to marry somebody that at least you like a part of the way they look. 
I tell people all the time, I can give you spiritual principles whereby you can choose the right one, but I'm not going to dare ever tell you who to marry. Because you're not going to come back and blame me if one day he becomes like, you know, somebody that's Henri. You're not going to blame that one on me. You're not going to blame it on me if all of a sudden she becomes somebody that's just Henri's all, no, I'm not taking blame for that one. You, you marry them, you'll be stuck with them. And you're not coming, I don't care who you are, you're not coming to live with me. <laughs> all right? Uh, but, you know, somebody says, well, I tell you what, it, it's hard for me to stand in the home. I mean, because things have changed. I've heard this. I've heard people say this. Well, you know, times have changed. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, they say times have changed. I agree with that. Uh, I think times have changed. I think that we live in a different world today. There's an increase of crime than ever before. Times have changed. There's, there's, there's an increased rate of people that use drugs today more than ever before. Times have changed. There's an increased rate of divorce in America like never seen before. You're right. Times have changed. There's an increased rate of suicides today more than ever before. You're absolutely right. Times have changed. Times have changed, proven by the murder rates uh, that is out there. Uh, it's changed. Uh, uh, times have changed by the increase of drunkenness. It's changed. Times have changed by the rate of homosexuals that are coming out of the closet thinking everybody ought to accept them. You're right. Times have changed. Uh, there's an increase of uh, bestiality where people are having uh, that which is relationships with dogs and cats and things. Yeah, you're right. Times have changed. There's an increased rate of uh, the, uh, the, uh, the gender crises, if you will, where people don't even know what they are. Now, if you ask me, that's because they're sad mentally. But, uh, you know, you say, well, uh, how, how can they get right? Well, I, I think that first off, uh, they need to get right with God because when God created man, he created a male and female. There's nothing in between. Somebody says, I think God made a mistake. And no, God didn't make a mistake. You're a mistake. You're a mistake in your identity. Yeah, we got guys that going around dressing like girls and we got girls going around dressing like men and we got guys putting on makeup and girls that's trying to uh, be able to become muscle men. You say, what's wrong with them? They're fools is what they are. But can I tell you, it'd be a good thing for them to get right with God. It'd be a good for th thing for uh, parents to stand up and say, look, you, you're going to do right and we're going to help you to do right. I think they've got a mental problem if you ask me. But can I say this? Uh, there is an increase of, of that which is single parenthood. There's an increase of all sorts of other things. Now, people do need the Lord. So what do we do? We reach out to try and help. But can I say, you ought to help your own children. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus, chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, and if uh, a soul sin and uh, hear the voice of swearing and is a witness, whether he have seen it or not, listen to it, and if he do not utter it, uh, then he shall bear his iniquity. We live in a society today where a teenager will see another teenager do something wrong and say, well, I'm not going to tell anybody on them because they're my friend. And so you don't try and get them help. You allow your friend to drown in their sin without trying to get them help. And I'm just being honest with you tonight. And that's not really true friendship. 
because a friend would try and help a person get right with God. The best place you could ever be in your life tonight is a person that's right with God. And so you have people that uh, swear and have a teenage friend and they say, well, I'm not going to tell their parents because after all, you know, they might get in trouble. It'd be far better for them to get in trouble now and straighten up their life than not get in trouble ever and live a life of being that person that is wrong with God and is causing other people to become entangled again with the snares of the wicked. Uh, well, you know, I know they listen to rock music, but after all, that's my friend. I know they do this, but after all, that is my friend. Uh, the Bible says that if you do not help your friend and you keep their sin secret, then you also have indulged in their sin. It would be good if people cared enough about people to be able to shoot it straight with them and say, this is what the Bible says. This is what you're supposed to do. Oh, but we're supposed to love everybody. I want to challenge you tonight. If you truly love somebody, you're going to try and help them get right with God. If you truly love somebody, you're going to try and help them to be able to make right decisions. Don't tell me that you love somebody, but you're not willing to help correct their wicked lifestyle. Uh, don't tell me that you're a friend. You're not a friend. If I had somebody that was out there and they were a friend and they were drowning, if I had somebody out there and they were in a house fire uh, and, it, uh, and I knew that I was the only hope of them getting out, if I had somebody out there and they started to use drugs or they started to uh, uh, drive down the street and they were driving crazy like a maniac, I tried to do my very best to be able to help them. What am I saying? I'm saying you ought to stand inside of your house. It's it's amazing how God used Joseph. Uh, Joseph, uh, the only one in his household that seemingly God blessed. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about Joseph being the only one? You mean to tell me, preacher, that uh, uh, there might be some people in the same household where God blesses one, but God doesn't bless the other. Yeah, you have evidence of that in Joseph's life. Uh, Joseph was a person that had uh, extremely good character. Don't forget in Potiphar's house, it was Potiphar's wife that came against Joseph several times soliciting him to do that, which a Christian ought not to do in having a relationship. What did he do? Uh, he had character and he fled. Now, it wasn't because his friends saw him. He had character with God. He had a fear of God. He decided to do what he he decided to do whether anybody was looking or not. Why? Because he had a true character with God. Joseph knew that God saw him. Joseph knew that God saw him. I think we're so impressed by people today, but we ought not be more impressed with people today than we are with God. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 9, the Bible says, give instruction to a wise man and he'll uh, uh, be yet wiser. Uh, teach a just man and he'll increase learning. Uh, you know, as you hear teaching and preaching from the pulpit, here's a simple question tonight. How do you receive it? How do you receive it? By the way, uh, the stuff that I preach and uh, when I preach messages that are straight shooting messages, uh, that shouldn't be new to you. Those especially that grew up in old fashioned Bible preaching churches, it's been that way for generations. The sins that are here today have been around for generations. Wrong was wrong then and wrong is wrong now. The preachers have not changed. The word of God has not changed. But if we're not careful because of a passive society that we live in, Christians change. May I say, uh, stand in your home. Statement number two, stand in your church. 
stand in your church. Uh, the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, the Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers and feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Uh, when God called me to be pastor of Parkside Baptist Church, I became an overseer of Parkside Baptist Church. What does that mean? Well, that means that I'm a shepherd. That means that I'm a, you know, would, some would call it a bishop. Uh, some would call it, if you would please, uh, uh, that which is uh, uh, the pastor, if you will, of the church. And so uh, here I am as that which is the pastor pastor, the shepherd, the overseer of the church. Now, my job is to protect the families of the church. You know, there's been times I've had to remove Sunday school teachers out of their place and said, you can't teach anymore because they're not living what the Bible teaches. There's been times I've had to remove bus captains. There's been times I've had to remove junior church workers. There's been times I've had to remove youth workers and college students. There's been times where I had paid employees that was on staff I had to fire. Now, can I tell you, that's not easy things to do. But sometimes a pastor, being the overseer of the church, has to step in. And by the way, why in the world would you get mad at a pastor that's trying to guide the church a certain way, but you wouldn't get mad at a boss down at some secular place when they fire somebody? I've got a dear friend of mine. He has about 200 employees, and he said this. He said, I, I made a stand two years ago. He said, I run a professional business. And so he said, I told everybody, look, I understand people have tattoos. I just don't want you to show them at work. So wear a long sleeve shirt, do whatever you want. But he said, don't show them at work. I run a professional business. And to me, that is unprofessional. Now, can I tell you, watch, uh, he took a stand, he had people get mad, he had people that left the work, he had people that Facebooked about him, he had all sorts of people that uh, slapped him, but then there was others that said, appreciate you doing that, because after all, that makes us look up to your business, and because of that, he got more business than he could handle. Why? Because he stood. It's important for us to stand. Uh, don't to get mad at the preacher. The preacher has to take a stand inside of the church. Uh, don't get mad if the preacher stands up and says, this is the direction we ought to go. This is the direction we ought not to go. And to stand on matters inside of the church. Statement number one, I said stand in your home. Statement number two, stand in your church. Statement number three, stand in your personal life. Stand in your personal life. Now, one, mom and daddy will help you if you live in the home, as you stand inside the home or you have a home on your own. Uh, number two, the pastor will help you to stand and take the right stand as far as leadership is concerned inside of the local church. Number three, there's a personal stand. The Bible says to put on the armor of God that ye, that's personal, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, that ye. So there's a personal stand. How do you do that? You put on the whole armor of God. Without God, you'll never be able to stand the way you ought to. Uh, you'll live one way at church, another way at home. Uh, you won't have a good Christian testimony in the public eye because uh, you are not standing the way that God wants you to stand. I said years ago that uh, when somebody gets put under pressure and somebody squeezes them, what's on the inside does come out. Uh, if you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. If you squeeze a pickle, you get pickle juice. If you squeeze an apple, you'll get apple juice. If you squeeze a happy Christian, you'll get joy juice. 
If you squeeze an unhappy, bitter Christian, you get unhappy, bitter juice. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do right until the stars fall. What's he talking about? He's talking about standing, all right? And so uh, what does it mean to stand? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible says, but I keep my body, it says, and bring it in subjection, lest that by any means when I, am, uh, when I have preached others, I myself should be a castaway. So you ought to live what you preach. Sunday school teachers, you ought to live what you teach. Uh, singers, you ought to live what you sing. There ought not to be a controversy between what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of your life. Abraham Lincoln uh, uh, was a, a great president, well-known, and there was a well-known story about him. There was a, an officer that drank all the time. He was a tall, slender man. He entered into Abraham Lincoln's uh, uh, tent that night. Abraham Lincoln was on the field. It was during the Civil War. There was a rough day at battle. Many people had been killed on both sides, and so this man came into the tent and he had a bottle of whiskey and he said to Abraham Lincoln he said it's been a rough day I know that you're emotionally uh, drained he said so what I like to do is I like to share my whiskey bottle with you and Abraham Lincoln said I'm sorry I can't do that now by the way uh, at this point Abraham Lincoln had not yet been saved but here's what he said at the age of nine I made my mother a promise that liquor would never come to my mouth he said, I've kept that promise unto now, and I don't care who you are, and I don't care what the casualties are, I will not break the promise that I made to my mother. Now, he honored his mother. Why? Because he made a promise. What was he doing? He was taking a stand. Uh, Job chapter 31 in verse 1, the Bible says, I made a, a covenant with mine eyes that I should not think upon the maid uh, what was happening here someone that is healthy in the Lord is taking a stand so how do we stand statement number one immerse yourself in the word of God immerse yourself in the word of God the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So what do you do? Uh, you immerse yourself in the Bible. Immerse yourself in the Bible. I don't take baths much. I really don't. I like those showers. I do. I don't know if you ever got in a shower. It has that big head over top of you, and you walk in like you're walking through a rainforest. And, uh, and uh, oh, man, I like showers. I'm just a shower type of guy. I could care less if I get a hotel room that has a bathtub in it. It doesn't impress me at all. But, uh, uh, but can I tell you, when I get a shower, I like to get wet all over. I like those showers that have those handheld showers where you can go this away and this away and this away and this away. And uh, I mean, you know, I, can I tell you, I like to get wet. I like warm water. water. I, don't like, I don't like cold water. Uh, you know, first time I started going to the Philippines, I'd sleep in the pastor's offices on the floor. They'd give me a little bit of mat, and I'd sleep on the floor. I couldn't afford a hotel room, and so I'd sleep on the floor. And I'd, I'd get up uh, early in the morning, and I'd go in there, and I didn't know they didn't have hot water. And boy, I tell you, you talk about getting awake quick. And, and, and man, I'd get in those, those you've done many of those 
those two haven't you over there and and Josh you have probably a couple and we just have to we got to get you to go to the Philippines and, and, and so and we'll, we'll take you way up in the mountains is what we'll do and then we'll leave you there <laughs> But can I tell you that, uh, boy, I'd, I'd get under that cold water, and, and that's a rude awakening. Man, that'll wake you up for certain, for sure, and quickly. But you know, the Word of God, uh, when the Word of God goes out, we ought to receive it well. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, I'll preach things and they'll be pretty sharp and uh, right up your alley. But other times, you know, you'll see that it's doused with love. You'll see that it is uh, caressed, if you would please, by the arms and uh, the hands of a very loving and caring God. Now, can I tell you this? May I say that the word of God should be accepted in your life. You ought to immerse yourself in the word of God. You ought to fully cover yourself by the word of God. You ought to make decisions based on the word of God. Of God, not decisions based on somebody else's personality and what they were doing. My daddy drank. He was a drunk. I never accepted that. After I got saved, I tried to help my daddy get delivered. Why? Because it was, it was sinful. It was wrong. My brother uh, dealt drugs. I didn't come from a Christian home. My brother dealt drugs. Uh, I told my daddy, I said, he's, he's selling stuff out the back window down in the basement. I said, what do we do about that? He said, I'll take care of it. And uh, when my brother came home, the police was waiting on him. My daddy had him locked up and thrown in jail. All, all right. And did you know that straightened him out? Did you know that straightened him out? And, uh, the, you know, they only held him for a little while because my daddy knew the police captain and, and, uh, and, and talked to him and stuff. They held him for about a week and a half or so, but the, that straightened him out. I mean, he never did that again, put the fear of God. Oh, I remember one time when the boys, I'm talking about two older boys, not the younger boy, but I remember the two older boys when I'm sitting right here. And I, I remember them uh, going into Sears. You'll remember this episode and your brother up there in the crow's nest hiding from this. He'll, he'll remember this too. But uh, I, I remember I was going through Sears one time and, and uh, these boys, they were just young little pups, you know, but they started picking up those little plastic hooks that they used to put on pants, you know, to hold them on the, on the, on the, on the, on the clothes uh, thingy there, uh, hanger. And so they, they started picking them up. You remember this story? Yeah, I do too. And, and so they, they started picking those things up. I mean, picking up a score of them and they put them in their pockets so much so it was very revealing when they got into the van, their pockets were bulging out just like that. Uh, yeah, they, they, they looked like a squirrel that had too many nuts. And, uh, and so, boy, their pockets was bulging out just like that. And so we're driving along. And my wife uh, is the one that drew the attention to it. And so when we got back to the house, I said, hey, boys, what's in your pocket? And they, sa they said this, nothing. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, let's empty the nothingness out. And so they took those things out of their pocket. I'm talking about there's a whole mess of them. And so they put them out on the floor. And I said, where'd you get them? I said, you steal them? I mean, I didn't pay for them. Did you pay for them? Boy, it was quiet in the house. Almost like it's quiet right now. I said, you pay for them? They swallowed real big. I think one stopped breathing. And, 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 and said, no, no, sir. I said, you stole them, didn't you? You stole them. I said, I'm raising a bunch of thieves. You stole them. Bunch of crooks. You stole them. I said, we're going back to Sears. That's where you stole them at, isn't it? And they, they affirmed. And I said, we're going back to Sears. And I said, you're going to talk to the man. You're going to give him back. And on the way back to Sears, I said, you know, he'll probably throw you in jail. I heard about jails. 
Heard there's rats there. Now I was thinking back during the time of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> I heard there's rats there. I heard it's cold at night. You can have all sorts of uh, different creatures that's biting on your toes at night. They, they take your shoes away. They take your socks away. You're not allowed to have shoes. No socks. I'm still thinking of Paul. You know, they're going to give you bread that's got worms in it. I mean, it's going to be rotten to the core. And I don't blame them if they just keep you there forever. I'm sorry, it's hurting my heart. I'm going to miss you. Mom's going to miss you. But I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I've got boys that are thieves. I'm so sorry. Oh, Daddy. Nope, we got to go. We're going to do the honest thing. I went in Sears, and this is back in the day when I, I don't know why they put some of these fellows a little bit feminine in Sears on the, on the dress side. I'm not saying that's here if you work at Sears. I don't know. But there it was. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's this fellow, you know, and I went over and I said, look, I said, uh, I want you to help me with my boys. I said, can you help me with the boys? They stole something here. And I'm, I want to put the fear of God in them. And I said, can you help me? And he said, well, yes, sir, I guess I could. I said, no, no, you won't do. You won't do. You won't do. I had to go three departments over, and I found this guy. He didn't have a neck. His head was implanted on top of his, on top of his shoulders. And I said, sir, can you help me? He said, what do you want? I said, you do. I said, I got two boys sitting over there outside of the uh, store, uh, outside of the uh, clothing, store, uh, clothing part, the department. I left them sit there. That's back in the day when you knew that nobody would steal your kids. And so I let them sit there for a little bit. And I don't know how old they were. I don't know, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't know, uh, 18, 19, 32. I'm not sure. But I had them sitting in, in the chair there. And as they were sitting in the chair, I said, now, look, I want you to be a big, bad dude. I mean, I want you to tell them, you're, you know, you're going to go to prison. You're going to rot. I said, do you know anything about the Bible? He said, I don't know a thing about the Bible. I said, well, in the Bible days, uh, it was cold cells. It was dark. And, uh, and I explained to him, he said, man, I would not want to go there. I said, are you going there? And he said, no. I said, well, I'm, I'm okay now. But go ahead and talk to those boys. And so he went over there and he said, hey, boys, I've got that deep voice and no neck, you know, just implanted head. He said, hey, boys, heard you stole something from my store. And he just let them have it, you know. And, 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 and all those fellas said, oh, yeah, yeah. I never will forget right after that Jonathan was in a, a in a gas station and he saw somebody lifting something I think it was a piece of candy or something and he hollered out he said stop you're gonna go to jail that person put it back just like that just right out but but I think it's good that we teach people to stand how do we do it? We do it by immersing ourselves in the Word of God. How do we do it? We do it by praying. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 7, the Bible says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And so the Bible talks about praying. The best book I ever read in my life, I've read it 13 times, but the best book I ever read in my life is Dr. John O. Rice's book on asking and receiving. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best book that was, that was ever written on prayer. I'm just saying it's the book that God used in my 
life more than any other book because it, uh, it pushed me to pray more. It pushed me to practice praying more. And so I read that book, and that book immensely changed my life when it came to prayer. And may I say that you ought to spend time in prayer. Statement number next, and this will be the last uh, uh, one I'll give you on how to stand. You stand by immersing yourself in the Word of God. You stand by praying. You stand by grace, by grace. You know, don't try and stand by yourself. You'll fail. The arm of the flesh shall fail you. You'll fail every single time. First uh, Peter chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible says, I've written you briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. So you can stand in the grace of God. The grace of God will help you to Stand. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2, last verse I'll read you. The Bible says, By whom also uh, we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So God says this. God says that we can stand. How do we stand? We stand by grace. We're not able to do it by ourselves. Well, you know, I'm somebody and I know the Bible. That doesn't impress the devil. He knows more of the Bible than you do. Well, I've got X amount of verses uh, memorized. He's got the entire book memorized. That does not impress the devil. Uh, what uh, you'll have to do in order to be able to stand is to immerse yourself in the Word of God, immerse yourself in the ministry of prayer, and immerse yourself in the grace of God. I worry about people that get up and say, I'm going to do this. I remember a fellow in the Bible by the name of Peter that said that, and he fell. I think you ought to insert one word there. By the grace of God, I'm going to try to do this. And allow God to have a hand in everything that you do. By God's grace, I'll try and serve Him. By God's grace, I'll go soul winning. By God's grace, I'll preach the Bible. By God's grace, I'll teach a Sunday school class. By God's grace, I'll help somebody with counseling. By God's grace, I'll live for Him another day. But make sure it's by the grace of God. Uh, inside of yourself, you are a human failure. But inside of the grace of God, you're able to stand. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.